Hey everyone, need something to get you going in the morning or the afternoon? Check out TrenchCoffeeCo.com. Trench Coffee originated in Las Vegas and is owned by a combat controller and his wife. Uh, they've been making coffee as a hobby for a couple of years and then decided they enjoyed it so much and they wanted to share the coffee wealth with everyone else. So check them out. They've got 10 different brews. They originally started with the Trench blend, um, but they recently started a new blend that uh, is kind of my personal favorite, which is the Brazil Cerrado. I'm probably saying that wrong again, like I do in every single promo, um, but whatever. I'm educated in South Carolina, so you can deal with it. Uh, they also sell, you know, apparel. They sell cold brew kits. They've got holiday packages going on where you can get a mug and some coffee. Uh, their normal bag sizes are 12 ounces. They do have some samplers. So if you wanted to get a handful of sampler packs, you can do that. And if you want to go all in, they definitely have five pound bags that'll keep you stocked for quite some time. Um, but if you go through coffee like I do, because it's so good, five pounds probably won't last you too long. But please go check them out. Uh, they are definitely friends of the podcast and have been for quite some time. And uh, so we want to support them and they're supporting us. Uh, so we don't get anything from it, but please go check them out. Enter the promo code ones ready to get you a discount. And then I know that sometimes they also, every time you buy a, a bag of coffee and use our promo code, they will send a bag down range or at least put some money to the side to pay for sending bags down range. So great company, great people. Jeff and Jerrica are amazing. So go support them. Check them out. Trench Coffee Co. That's trenchcoffeeco.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Ones Ready Podcast. You're in the team room with uh, Aaron and I. And then we also have another guest. Um, well, I guess I guess we can say chief now. I, I'm not sure if you're wearing it or not. But we could say Chief Master Sergeant Mike Macias. Uh, thanks for joining us. Um before we go in, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and, uh, you know, why you're so important to the TACP career field. <laughs> the, the most pressure-filled intro yeah, that I you know. could possibly give us. Hey, uh, can, you, can you tell us why you're a living legend in the combat control career field? And uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Go ahead. That's a, that's a fantastic way to set a guest up for the yeah. absolute best possible way. I got to leave it like that for Mike. You really do. Um... I really appreciate the kind words. I don't, I don't know exactly how important I am. I just, uh, I just know that I like to kick over rocks from time to time. But um, evidently, some people like that, and some people don't. But I am a tack P. Uh, I've been a tack P since day one. Uh, uh, did most of my time in the seventeenth STS. Uh, you know, at uh, JBLM first, and then I went down to Columbus. I uh, went, uh, went and tangoed with Peaches at weapons school for a little bit, uh, got done there, uh, did some more 17th STS, and then came back and just uh, uh, superintendent of the weapons school with a 66 whips, and then uh, went and set up the TACP FTU um, for the next generation of, of TACP operators coming through, uh, bringing them from uh, zero to hero, you know, in 21 weeks at uh, Nellis and Camp Bullis after the ATC pipeline. And now I'm uh, I'm at the Pentagon uh, at half A3S and also working in half A57. Uh, so what that means is the A3S side is operations driven on uh, current ops, and then A57 is really uh, focusing on the way forward uh, for the force at large. That's what I do. Someone said it was a good idea. <laughs> That's what I do. No big deal. Woo! <laughs> like to how nobody is going to have any idea like peaches gave you the worst intro and then you followed it up with like all right here's a bunch of stuff that nobody really understands and now i do future stuff that I, you can't wrap your head around either so essentially welcome <laughs> to the podcast everybody we've got a couple of hosts that don't know what they're doing and jason Horn. so let's really let's really get into it so mike you're so you're working so for everybody that doesn't understand like the a series so you're still in operations right because a3 is is operations the three right. shop is always what are we doing right now to actually cause the enemy a, a, a uh, you know, some sort of uh, problem. We present them with a problem. That's what the A3 shop does. But really, A57 is, you're no kidding, looking into the future. We get a lot of questions on where is TACP going? What is the mission set going to look like? Are they going to take over the JTAC mission? All these other things. You are knee deep in that. 
So let's build it from the ground out. We're going to go a talk on. We're going to go small to big this time, though. Right now, you're looking at the next three, five, seven-year plan. And the number one question on everybody's mind is, we hear this rumor that TACP's mission strength is going down. Is that, is that true? And if so, then then what's up with it? Can you explain a little bit on that one? Yeah, really, the, the thing is uh, the Air Force has to make some hard decisions on on how we shape the force. And this is going to sound like the most bureaucratic answer, but maybe that fucking right. But Perfect. They, Our they, listeners they, love bureaucratic answers. They, 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 they always... Yeah, it's always really good in the in the comment section. It they, they tell us how much they love bureaucratic answers to like top secret questions we can't answer. So right. continue. And, it, and it's uh, it is very frustrating from a guy who's been operationally focused, and that's what you get when you get you know up here at the Pentagon. But the reality is, um, there's a lot of things happening in the world. I don't have to tell you what's going on in Russia, um, and some of our other highly uh, capable adversaries potentially. The Air Force is making some tough decisions across the board, and, and not just with aspect war or TACP, but with a lot of different capabilities and weapon systems the Air Force possesses. Um, we're making hard decisions to make some cuts in order to create some space to get at uh, some very relevant future problems that you know, potentially might be here even before we anticipate. So, so yeah, there's cuts across the board, but... Um, it's a challenge to everybody else to, you know, get innovative, uh, think outside the box, don't be a linear thinker, and find solutions to how aspect work and can get at some things that the Air Force needs it to. Right, but it's not. It's it would be um, inaccurate and maybe not disingenuous, but it would definitely be inaccurate to say that like it's just TACP getting cuts or aspect war getting cuts. Because th this is a Air Force problem. This is a, you know, Army, Navy, SOCOM problem um, at large. Because, you know, we've, we've been doing the, the OEF and, and all those other things for the last 20 years. So we, we grew a lot because we, we needed a lot of stuff in order to be uh, combat effective and stuff like that. Well, now that that's gone we've been spinning like crazy, right? So we've got to, we've got to check ourselves and we've got to start making some cuts to save some money, to optimize what, what we have and, you know, um, what we're spending and what we're uh, acquisition wise, you know, so those cuts have to come out of somewhere. So, you know, maybe it's equipment, maybe it's bases, maybe it's um, manning and stuff like that. So like, it's, it's across the board. It's not just, hey, TACP is taking a 50% cut, which is also inaccurate, too, because I've seen that flying around the interwebs and conversations like, oh, TACP is taking a 50% cut, which is not true. <laughs> um, I don't know if you want to touch on that at all, Mike. Uh, TACP is, is being asked by the Air Force to, you know, figure out what we are going to do in the next fight. Um this is my opinion. I'll give you my opinion on it. This is not endorsed by anybody. But um, when you do counterinsurgency for 20 years and you fight this fight that requires you to be around the populace, and I don't have to explain this to any of you guys, but it's like it requires a lot of manpower and it requires a lot of presence, right? And it's kind of how um, when you look at the TACP community where it was 20 years ago and where it is today, is much larger uh, to facilitate, you know, going out of combat. There's a lot of presence patrols. There's a lot of, you know, engaging with local populace and an insurgency. And it requires when, you know, a bigger army, which means a bigger TACP formation. Uh, so we are, I would say the DOD at large, my opinion, uh, is scaling that back. Um, we're not to say that we are abandoning counterinsurgency fight, but we have uh, major competition fights that are now happening that require a whole new set of, of capabilities uh, that the Air Force is looking for. And, and I don't know if you guys have, are familiar with the SECAF's operational imperatives, um, but what you can do if you really want to know, like, hey, why, why are there cuts or what are we getting at? You can go to Google and Google 
Secretary of the Air Force's operational imperatives. And it's not anything secret, but I think it's something good for you know people that want to know about the future and where we're going. Uh, and this kind of outlines you know where we're at um, as a force and what we're making our decisions um, for cuts or pivots and mission or modifications. You know, it all evolves around. Um, Defending resilient and effective space order. So, you know, how is our, you know, how is space and what we're doing in the future um, modernizing to support uh, the second one, which is ABMS, uh, that's Air, air uh, Battle Management System and JADC2. Like, that's another focus area. So, how do we communicate with guys in the field, guys in the air, uh, guys and gals, and, uh, you know, bring the whole force together in a command and control perspective. Uh, you know, air dominance is the third one. How, you know, what is the next generation of that look like? As well as uh, achieving moving target, you know, engagement at scale. So um, how do you F2T2 in such a complex environment? And that presents a lot of you know, JADC2 or command and control challenges. And if I'm getting two G whiz, you just let me know. Well, you're getting, you're getting very you're getting acronym way, heavy. So acronym heavy. I, I, I told you, you started off strong, Mike, with, uh, you know, plans that nobody, nobody's going to understand. We breezed right over. Like we said that the 50% cut wasn't true. That's going to piss everybody off. And now nobody knows what these programs are, which is great. So here's my question for you because i like i do understand what you're talking about and i got super excited right now because people look at the tac p career field and they say oh well there's not going to be that many patrols there's not going to be that many things going on and they say that is a bad thing right because when people get in tac p they want to go support conventional army and they want to go put boots on the ground but the things that you're saying right now sounds like an evolution of the tac p career field that's going to include stuff like cyber it's going to include stuff like integrated blue force picture it's going to include stuff that's really getting after great power competition in order to, to give those ground units we're supporting from the TACP career field in order to give them an advantage on the battlefield. And that sounds like exactly what everybody wants to do. They wanna get into that future fight. And it sounds like TACP is leading the way. So what kind of capabilities are you guys looking at adding on in order to support those ground forces with that future TACP capability? Uh, so some of the things that we're adding on is, you know, we talked about the Army, um, but if the Army doesn't get there, can we truly do our, our traditional mission? So, you know, TACP looking to help the Air Force and the Air Component Commander solve some problems uh, outside of just the Army. So uh, I think one of the bumper stickers he had is TACP is more than just cleared hot. Uh, it's resonated with a lot of decision makers because of the capabilities that TACP has that facilitates, you know, comms and and creating data links and comm links with with high priority assets and what the what A five seven is seeing is the conceptually the value and perhaps using TACP in such a way that helps bolster air superiority or. JADC2, like, which is command and control, talking to the airplanes, long-haul comms. Because TACPs, in order to, to be good at fires and calling in CAS, you got to be good at comms. And what the Air Force, you know, needs solutions to is that kind of comm link picture and understanding uh, an intent. Uh, so I think it was an untapped resource, and, and I believe uh, the Air Force will see that there's really no better uh, entity in the Air Force an abspect war to understand ground commander's intent in this case you know jfac their you know air component commander intent and say i need you to accomplish task a through z and i'm going to give you a critically thinking uh high speed tactically minded operationally focused airman who's going to go out there and solve some problems with you uh, for you as the air force or the navy uh to get at some very significant uh geographic tyranny of distance problems for the joint force. And that's completely agnostic of supporting the Army. Um, we believe that it's viable. Uh, it's exciting. I'm jealous because it, the more we 
talk about how this evolution is going to look. It, 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 I'm like, can I just go back and be a senior urban and do this mission? Because it sounds <laughs> It's the worst part, isn't it? That's isn't the worst it? part of working in any of these, being in these conversations. There's always that sting in the back of your mind where you're like, I can't believe these new guys and gals are going to get to get after these problems. Like as you're setting the table for these things that happen, it's always a part that I feel the same way. I, you know, it's, it's awesome. I can't, I, I love where the career fields are going, but I do the same thing where I'm like, man, this is awesome. F these dudes. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and I'll take it one step further because the air force, you know, as they, as lack of better term cuts, uh, they are going to expect airmen to be multifaceted just like they are with aircraft. So, you know, how do you do multiple things? For the Air Force, you know, what can you do for the Air Force today is kind of where I, it is in my head. And, and the more you can do, the more versatile you are, the more agile you are, the more value, you know, is put that the Air Force can use you for a myriad of things. So, for example, uh, taking some aspect war assets and teaming them together, uh, in particular, Guardian Angel and TACP have been making some uh, money uh, now uh, in, in different theaters of operations in seeing that together with the capabilities combined and fused creates quite a force enabling package um, for any uh, commander in an AO who wants a little bit of calm, a little bit of fires, a little push out recovery. And, and that is now translated into one of our concepts in Air Force Futures um, where we are using and leveraging the capabilities of not only Aspect War, but into the larger Air Force in the, with Guardian Angel, Attack P, and OSI, uh, and using all everybody's strengths to get at multiple tactical problems for the Air Force and solve some of these operational imperatives that are uh, that I mentioned earlier. Yeah, it, it's good to hear you say that because the in the past, um, you know, you're right. It was always, hey, supporting the Army, the Air Force was supporting the Army, um, even though in reality the Air Force was leading the charge on your, your whole um, initial entry, shock and awe kind of deal. You know, the Army and the Navy were the big proponents in that. Um, but the Air Force is always used as supporting the Army. Um, now, with you guys doing that um, and, sol and really solving Air Force problems, because we've always – I say we always, but we, we have typically neglected Air Force problems because we're like, well, we're not the mission. So uh, let, let's just fit in where we can and solve the problems as they come along. But now, like there are some serious Air Force problems out there. And, and when I say Air Force problems, I mean, you know, tactical problems that have operational and strategic level um, impacts. So uh, it's it's pretty cool to hear you say that you're you're bringing in GA, which we had kind of known a little bit of but so you guys are doing that with osi and bringing that even heavier now yeah uh we're bringing a we're bringing a cap capability uh without getting too deep into it but that is essentially gonna really enable guardian angel and tac p to be in a place to solve joint force coalition force problems uh in aos that um, traditionally the army won't be there. So, um, I'm, I'm being vague on purpose, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but, um, the bottom line is we are seeing the fruits of teamed efforts within aspect war and even outside of it, uh, you know, so the days of being in the stovepipes, at least here in AFA five, seven, uh, and saying that I, this is what I do as attack P and this is what I do as guardian angel, um, that is essentially going to go, you know, dissolve into we provide these capabilities as guardian angel and tech P. Well, that's good because 10 years ago it was, Hey, we're going to put tech, you know, because of the, the CSAR mission and the PR mission, and there was not enough controllers to, to go around, um, you know, which was historically an ST thing, all right, a CSAR package, two PJs, a controller, you go out and you do your thing, right? But like as as ST started to kind of step away from that specific construct, um, RQSs and, and Guardian Angels still needed, you know, a, a, a JTAC. So we were going to start putting TACPs with those uh, RQS units. But 
was like 10 years ago and I know the billets had been moved and stuff like that, but I don't, I don't know if it ever, like if, if TACP ever went all in on it or not, but like, I, I'm sorry, yeah, excited about this. As the team leader 10 years ago, I was the guy asking for a TACP. I had two TACPs that went through my entire spin-up out of the 58th Rescue Squadron in Vegas. They, they literally trained up with us the entire time to include FMPs when it came time to get them a spot to be like, hey, I, I want to take, you know, Bobby was his, was his first name. But I was like, hey, I'm, I'm ready to take Bobby right now. Like, I want him to come to this deployment with us and provide this capability. And we just could not figure it out, whether it was a a faces problem or whether it was a an, an attached forces problem. I don't know what it is, but this has been bubbling at the rescue units for, for quite a long time. Can our crows do that joint forward observer, that sort of, you know, JTAC light duty that they've kind of been, you know, moving to? Yeah, sure, they could, but that's not what the officer is supposed to do. The officer is supposed to command teams on the ground. And we had this awesome capability in TACP where we looked and we said, hey, these guys can provide us a specific capability mm -hmm. that really fits into the guardian angel personal recovery mission set really, really well, really well. So now we're seeing the, the advent of that. And it is a fantastic time for TACP because obviously that means you get to come to the rescue units and kind of touch that side of it. And then from there on, those young TACP airmen can now go back to the larger TACP force and go, Hey guys, there's an entire mission set out there that we're doing. That's completely unique, and it, it's another lane for you guys to go get that experience, and that's awesome. Well, I'd say you're a trailblazer, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that, and that, and that, on all your work was not in vain. Uh, it, that's the only part I wanted to hear was the compliment. Are, you know what I mean? Here we are, ten years later, and we are definitely heading in that direction. And, and I mean, in all seriousness, like. Uh, we're seeing it in uh, a, a lot of different magic comms already, you know, your vision of what you guys were thinking. And it makes sense. Like when we talk about it and we look at the capabilities, like, yeah, why weren't we doing this? Uh, it, it, it fits so many things uh, that we're trying to get at and in, in what we're trying to meet the intent with the Air Force and we need to optimize, right? What better way to optimize and optimizing uh, the talent that we have? Um, and not only, so you're not just one critically minded battle, you know, app spec war airmen, dating myself with the battlefield airmen uh, <laughs> but but now you have two and they they exponentially you know provide capability to the joint force and even in the prs you know when we get to the highly contested environments against near peer foes uh pr gets tricky mainly because how do you get there but if we can find a way to push you know tac p and pr capabilities of tactical legend in mass mm -hmm. Um, that creates a PR network as well that, that the uh, Joint Force and the JFAC can capitalize off of, um, in addition to the comms piece, which uh, PR is a comms-intensive and heavy process as well, which, again, only makes sense to have a little bit of TACP and GA love um, working together, which is kind of, and that's the proponent of a lot of our, of our concept with A57, and getting into these, you know, future war games, we're like, hey man, how, how how does this look? Give me the analytics behind it. How does it get get Nerd City in there, kind of giving you the no, you know, crap data? Uh, and it looks it looks highly compelling, and it looks like it actually is going to produce a lot of good things. Time will tell. We'll know, you know, back half of this year on on more on where we where that stands in the future models. But uh, we like what it brings to bear, and so do our. PR counterparts in uh, A3S. We've all been working really hard to to see that the teaming uh, is used in practice today, and then growing it to something that's exponentially better in the future, ten to fifteen years from now. You man, I uh, we're definitely going to have to link up sometime soon over a secure network because I really want to hear about how you guys are integrating uh, those those three entities. But um, so aside from that. You, I mean, you and your office are specifically working on things, you know, 10 years, 15 years and on. Um, any other kind of uh, things out on the on the horizon that you guys are working on? And I, I understand that there's a an ever-changing and evolving threat dynamic and world that we're living in. But, I mean, like, that's a really cool nugget to, to talk about. Um, I'm sure that there are some other things that you guys have got going on that you're working, right? Yes, uh, a lot of the a lot of tech 
type solutions to get at low probability of intercept and detection uh, type things um, because uh, unlike the, you know a coin the modern day adversaries that are near peer to us they're they're going to know how to track you and look for you and um, see what you know what radio frequencies you're talking on and uh, they're going to take away your ability to use GPS and so we have to have um, TTPs or exquisite solutions, which the Air Force isn't particularly like right now because they cost a lot of money. But, but you, we need technology that's going to help get at a lot of those things. So we have some solutions to stuff like that um, for comms and uh, making sure that our survivability is enhanced. Um, you know, so if, if the bad guys want to get us, uh, I'm going to present you a problem. You gotta, you gotta find me in the clutter. Um, so you know, things like that where I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to create a picture for you that is going to require you to guess where I am because everything looks the same, even though there's nobody there and stuff like that. So without getting too deep into it, but um, yes. Well, that's what's funny is we know what you're talking about, but I'm sure there's some people that are pissed right now. Just like, what? what so, please explain it. So, I asked you I, one question. <laughs> I just asked you where Taki you was going and you, you refuse to, okay, Jen Saki, like you refuse to answer <laughs> this question directly. Taki is going in the direction of Aspect 14 Guardian Angel. Um, that is, Perfect. That is I love thing. it. Using, using the capabilities uh, that we both have to support the JFAC and make sure that they have um, the opportunities to kill all the things they need to kill so we can win um, before the army even gets there. And once the army gets there, we'll high five the army. We'll get back on uh, our strikers and head out there and, and go get it on and, and fire some casts. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that – and we're not getting away from that capability. It is a core – capability for TACP that a lot of people are depending on. And it, and actually TACP's ability to integrate, you know, land-based counter land fires is what makes TACP so viable for the JFAC or for command and control, because we've already sown this, sown the seeds of, of that integration uh, for fires. Uh, which now the JFAC needs to potentially solve some problems. And like, we can do that for you. We can do it today. You know, I've had conversations with people in uh, Air Force futures where they're like, hey, you guys can understand this, translate it and put it on a data link network or what the army's going to do. Like, you know, how long is it going to take you to get that capability full up? I'm like, I can do it right now. And they're like, say, word. say word, you can do it right now. Like, yeah. Say, yeah. A word. <laughs> say yeah. word. Yeah. Uh, I said, yeah, like, where do you can do it right now? Like, yeah, I can do it today. Uh, and our guys are doing that, um, you know, in, in out, out in USAFE, no secret that they're doing great work out there and they're really innovating. And the TTPs in, are just keep flooding into me in my office here at A57 on some goodness coming out of USAFE for not only uh, TACP, but PR on, they're just, we got guys, we have smart operators much smarter than he, when I came in. The young guys are super smart. They're super capable. They're out in new safety right now, thinking outside of the box and producing TTPs, tactics, techniques, and procedures. They're, got, they're, they're solving critical tactical problems. I'm getting the feedback here, and I'm just plugging it into what we're going to do in the future. So I'm not doing anything future-related. It's the, it's the staffs. It's the senior airmen. It's the techs out there that are, that are getting after, that are coming up to the uh, – with the solutions to these problems. And I would say, um, if you want to get behind and, and, and contribute to that, you know, those are the guys we need. We need the critically minded, uh, problem solving type people that can think outside the box and come up with some nonlinear ways to beat the enemy. Cause at the end of the day, you know, I, I, I was in a brief, I think last week, and everyone was talking about the objective, the objective, and, and, and they bring up, you know, resources or cuts or blah, blah, blah. And they, you know, hey, you know, Sergeant Macias, you know, do you got anything? I said, the last time I checked, the only objective was to win. And that's what we have to do. So in AFSPEC war, we're getting that winning, and that's what we're doing. So, Well, we talk about it on the podcast all the time, you know, to our listeners. And we say, you know, we're not the right guys 
for the next, they're like, oh, where are we going the next 10 years? What are we doing the next 20 years? And we tell them right now, we're like, we're not the guys. We are, we are not, if you put me into assessment and selection right now, I might not be the PJ that we need going forward. I think I'm hearing that from you talking about TACP as well. Like we're going in such a direction that we need a different type of airmen to come in to be in TACP. So for those people that are, are have thought about TACP before, but they're kind of like stuck in that GWAT, you know, straight up JTAC sort of mindset, what type of airmen are you looking for to get after these problems that you're defining? You're exactly right. The guys we have now are way better than me. I don't even, I would, there's no way in hell I would have made it in. But the, what we need. What hey, Amen. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. Yeah. They're thinking about firing me right now, just on site. <laughs> they should with me, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> no, we need critically minded, spatially aware, good teamwork oriented airmen. And that is the, the biggest one. But if you had to tell me, like, the, what is the biggest attribute that Attack P needs today? And the biggest attribute I would say is being a critical thinker, because when you look at the places that we're going to put people in the future and the level of responsibility that we're going to be giving attack P or really any aspect war operator, period, uh, you're going to, so we thought we had a lot of autonomy being a JTAC and just saying cleared hot, dropping bombs. Like, well, the decision matrix is going to get even more complex. Uh, we're, we're talking about potentially you getting delegated controls down to you to, to go do bad things to the enemy. And as an E5 or an E6, um, leading a team of people to go do it. And so you have to be a critically minded, spatially aware, uh, teamwork oriented person. Uh, and, and be able to bring that together. Um, so anyone that's thinking about TACP, if you think it's just kind of knuckle dragon dropping bombs, I need you to be a critical thinker uh, first and foremost, because the enemy's going to throw a lot at you, and you got to be able to make uh, decisions on the fly. Well, and to dive in a little bit deeper, that we're talking about you know decentralized control type of thing. So you're out there, and and going back to your your. Um, comment about you know staying within the clutter building that picture for people like if you're out there and you're that team or you're that you know few few people entity you may not have the chance to reach back and ask for permission you've already been granted the authority you've already been granted the permission if you will to execute said thing um and you got to be comfortable and have the ability to do that because you can't reach back all the time and go, hey, are we still good to do this? No, it's that's what it is. And you got to be able to assess the the situation and the environment and essentially change what you're going to do on the fly and be confident and comfortable in doing that and making the right decision. Because, um, and I know we've talked about it before, is, is there was a time, whether it was Afghanistan, Iraq, that, you know, if, if a wrong if a bomb hit the wrong target or didn't hit its intended target, that was, that was essentially a, a, a no go. You're out of country. Your organization is out of country. Yeah. Like that happened. Um, so there, there are major consequences, not just with, you know, loss of life, uh, which is huge, but also consequences of getting your ass booted right out of country, wherever that is. Yeah, loss of credibility for your entire organization. You're not just a bad JTAC, you're a bad Air Force JTAC. And now all Air Force JTACs are inherently bad. Like we lived, we've lived that, you know, those lives and I've seen it with different teams too. You make one tactical mistake and it really does have strategic ripples through the communities. Um, and it, it really does affect, you know, that credibility, that, that freedom to operate. So, um, man, I can't imagine the burden that you guys are you guys are taking on, and we we've, we've kind of danced around the topic, and we're all leaning out, right? We're becoming multi-capable airmen. We're doing more with less. Is there anything that you think that is is a holdover in TAC P? You're like, hey, this is this is the appendix of being a TAC P. We don't need it anymore. We don't know what it does, so we're just going to cut it away. Is there anything that you guys are leaning out of the of the playbook to to get after some of these intent or to get after some of these you know objectives or the intent moving forward? No. <laughs> Sweet. All right. Good. Yeah. I, I, I no. Mean, good. That's it. The short answer. That's the only answer. No. Like. It, 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 Solid. I need you to do more, 
and, and, and be right. better at more things. Uh, and not, and they're not, uh, we're not getting any, we're not adding anything that isn't what wasn't in our wheelhouse. We're just asking TACPs to be more specialized, even more specialized in um, the things they say they can do, um, which isn't, which isn't bad, but one would think that when you start fighting a more capable enemy, you're going to have to be a little bit better at your craft. Uh, it's not, uh, you're not going to have air superiority. You're not going to have fire superiority. Um, it's up to you to figure out a way that we can do that. Um, so, no, we're, we're just going to make you be better at tech peeing. Like you, you must be more capable. Um, and, and so probably a re a refocus like hey we're instead of some of this chaff that's on the outside we are going to enable the ability to um, better focus and better train to those specialties and the the basics yeah and and, and I, quite honestly like some of it's not going to be that sexy it's not going to be talking on the radio and and draw it's, it's some of it's just going to be you a gray man and I don't think Sometimes you won't even know how much you are facilitating in a joint fight, but the link that you create uh, off of your ability to facilitate comms and reach back, you're not going to know the full extent of what the capability was uh, that you delivered or facilitated, but it's going to be super important. And I guess humility would be another quality that uh, we would need our, our guys to have is, you know, I don't need General Custer charging into the Indians. I, I need somebody with patience and understanding that says, I know my place in the big picture. I know what I am required to do, and I'm going to execute that mission, you know, at all costs because it, the joint force requires it. Yeah. Humility. Nice. Take you a long way. <laughs> well, that it might even be, you know, I, I just see a, Again, because I am an early adopter to these sort of things, I see, you know, I can see a future conflict where you really need that that critically minded airman on the ground to give that, even if it's just, hey, I, I can tell you that looking at this battle space, this is the weak point. This is where you need to press. This is where you need to mass forces. This is where we need to mass fires. I can see and, and imagine that coming from an E5, a decisive battle point where you need to, no kidding, make a huge impact and he steps out of that, you know, he steps into that lane and he just hits a home run. I had a, a team uh, team leader when I was doing layer one PR that used to tell me that he's like, hey, never miss an opportunity to just shut up. But if anything comes inside your lane, you need to absolutely hit it out of the park. You need to hit a home run and then you need to go right back into your lane. That's how you're actually gonna be a valuable part of this joint enterprise that's going on. And I hear a lot of that as what you're saying from TACP is they're gonna be at, at a very low level, by the way, E4s, E5s, being able to stand up in that mission planning room and go, hey, I know you guys are thinking about a bigger picture, but this is the decisive point. This is the key terrain. This is the area that I need you to focus on. And TACP is going to have a voice in that talk from what it sounds like. Yes. And you're spot on. Uh, what you said. <laughs> All right, good. I like these black and white questions. They really work well in the comments. So we can go back and read <laughs> Did you, did you watch the episode? When we get the question, we're just going to go, did you watch the episode? He said, yes, it was awesome. <laughs> the, the, um, it, I like how you, you're, you're alluding to the, the E4, E5, E6, though, because the, like, in reality, that's, you know, if you do work with the Army, using that example, like an E7 is usually within, you know, seven years, if you will, especially if it's an ODA. You know, it's, it's not a big thing to be an E7, E8, even a Sergeant Major, E9 in the army um, because those are the dudes that are making decisions, right? Whereas our air force airmen are, um, you know, E3, E4 out there attached to them or making the same level of decisions as they are and being able to, you know, knock it out of the park, if you will, you know, stand up and say, Hey, I recognize that this is what's, um, you know, being said or what's required, but I think we should be able to go in this direction. Having that, um, one, the, the, the fortitude and the, the courage to get up and say and go against the grain as a brand new airman, but also having the ability to articulate and showcase, no, this is actually the direction we need to go and then have that kind of, um, that grit to follow it through, you know, I think that's important. It is. I, 
the one of the, one of the quick stories I always tell tech peas is uh, when I you know being an airman, uh, I was a A1C, I think is a C or airman or A1C. We did, whatever we did some stuff. We dropped a bomb. We got back. Sergeant Major came over to me and was like, "Who is in charge of you?" You know, I'm like uh, I'm just the only I'm me. I'm the only one here. And, you know, and right. he's like, but somebody, somebody somewhere is in charge of you. Like, they are not. You know. Okay, fair. Yeah, the president. I mean, do you want to start from the top and work our way down, or what? What are you getting at, Sergeant Major? How can I help? Yeah, and the, really, the, to not, you know, to get to the point of the story is at the end when he finally figured out that I really was the only guy at the outstation we were at. He said, "The Air Force is crazy," and I said, "Why?" He goes, "There's no way in hell." The army would send a E4 to go do what you're doing, but you know, and he just saw me in work. Like we you know, dropping GBU-12s off of F14s. It's also dating yourself. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, and I was just plum tickled at work. I was like, "Holy crap! All this training that all these dudes gave me, it actually worked, and it's cool." Um, and I think that's a great thing. That should be the things that you kind of value as a tech P is like, I really didn't care about uh, accolades or whatever. It was like, I did my part in the mission. Like to your point, I knocked it out of the park and then I, I sat back down and kept doing airman things. Um, and it blew the army away. There was like, wow. Uh, and, and we're going to need more of that uh, in the future. We're going to need like that capability times 10. Um, where they can really understand. So for me, it, it wasn't that complex. It was there's a bad guy, there's a bomb, there's an airplane, do it. Uh, we're talking multi-domain in the future now. We're talking maritime, air, space, cyber. Um, so when you really look at mine, I was like, I was a 2D girl in a 2D world and a 3D-ish. <laughs> you know? like, so they're going to be, sure, yeah. the tactical problems are going to be a, a lot more robust. Uh, and, and that's why we bring the uh, critical thinking side to the house. And I would say that really is all of apps spec war. I mean, I, I'm a tech P I'm talking to tech P stuff, but uh, when you work in A3S and where I'm at in the Pentagon, you know, we're advocating for all of apps spec wars equities um, across the board, agnostic to, you know, what, what job you do. Uh, apps spec war moving forward together, I believe is, is we're stronger and we're more lethal uh, when we fuse efforts. And that's what we do up here in the Pentagon level. Yeah, I I didn't know Mike that you like so switching gears a little bit, going to the FTU. I I either didn't know or I completely forgot that you went and stood up the FTU for TACPs. It do I have I heard that right, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Can can you dive in on that a little bit? Like what the purpose of, of an FTU is and, and kind of what its construct is. Like what what the goal is of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's called a formal training unit because it, it takes the likings of the pilot program for Air Force pilots. So as you know, every weapon system in the TACP is considered a weapon system in the Air Force has a formal training unit. Uh, that we did not have that up until uh, October of 2020. Uh, so we, as a MDS or weapon system, decided that you know that we needed to have this kind of standardization of operating the weapon system and that's what an FTU does. An FTU shows an airman how to operate and, and employ the weapon system and up until that point that process was being done uh, piecemeal by operational units so what you're compromising there is there was really no standard of employing the weapon system uh, across the board. It was kind of, you were at the mercy of whatever operational TACP unit you were at that trained you up. Uh, so what that hurts is we're not standardized. So you don't get a common product across the board. And what makes it more problematic is we were supporting adjacent units. You know, uh, you know some TACPs report with supporting a unit that they weren't even attached to because there was so much going on. Um, so how do we get some commonality and capability in the FTU and the stand-up of the FTU was a significant part to right some wrongs uh, that had been happening in, in the community. Uh, so to get to the FTU, you actually go through the AETC portion of the TACP training and you go aspect war prep, 
you go through your three-level course, you go through your jump school, you go through your seer, uh, and then when you finish all that, uh, you would go do 16 weeks. So you'll go to the FTU, you'll do 16 weeks at Camp Polis, Texas, uh, to go over uh, basic TACP uh, upgrade. And when I say upgrade, it's to get you to the five-level, or really the journeyman uh, side of the house. And then we start getting you into pre-JTAC academics and we're prepping you to become a JTAC uh, and giving you all the prerequisites like if you were taking prereqs in college to go to a different course you got to get these prereqs done before you go to the main part and then that's when you when you finish that uh, you do five weeks at Nellis um, Air Force Base in Vegas and that's where you that's your finalization your culminating uh, part of the course where you walk out with your JTAC certification. And, and why does that matter? Well, because that's not the way it always was. Uh, as a TACP, you'd get to your operational unit and you kind of maybe do your upgrade, sit in a holding pattern for your JTAC upgrade. No one really knows what it is, uh, when it is, where it's going to be. Um, and then it just happens. So this, we have a product walking out of the FTU that is essentially plug and play into an op squadron that is ready to, you know, train up for deployment or tasking and be operationally worldwide capable uh, and gives us some efficiencies in, in what the op squadrons have. So I don't know if that answered the question. No, it did. Uh, it should, I mean, I, I asked because, you know, combat control doesn't have an FTU, neither does SR. Um, PJs, you guys do. Um, oh. But <laughs> score. No, yeah, no big deal. We got there first. I'm not saying, but I am. Saying, you know, we, we, we saw a need for it. We've been a weapon system the longest. Listen, we don't have to do this, guys. All right. I don't want there to be animosity between us. But the FTU, like we're, we're joking about it, but that was one of the big things. Even when we were standing up our FTU, we were like, come on, we already kind of do this as a unit. But we've standardized all those things that you're saying. We, we had a need for it as well. We need to standardize when we say that somebody is ready to be an element leader or a five level in our in our world. We need to be able to have a standard, be like all ELs, all five levels do this. And the FTU has really cleaned that up for us. You know, jump master procedures and TTPs, SOPs, advanced employment functions. The FTU really does formalize all of those things really, really well. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and the beauty of, of where the, the FTU, what the FTU does, is the FTU gives the weapon system, whether it's Guardian Angel or TACP, the ability to rapidly evolve training for world problems. Um, the, the FTUs reside in the same MAGCOM as the operational side. So they can in instantly take feedback from the field and implement change to ensure that our standardization process is not only standardized, but relevant to what the ops squadrons need, which is another uh, really uh, crucial point because if, if we were doing the disparate training not connected one squadron may have made the correction but another one did it um, so this just ensures that we are producing relevant tactics uh, and, and employing them to our, our new TACPs as they come in so they're just as capable as the uh, guys at the unit when they show up yeah and for the listeners like it, it's it's not that Air Education and Training Command is not doing its job. It's just that that is an enormous monster. And whenever things, like, like Mike said, things that are changing out in the environment and the operational picture changes, AETC can't necessarily, you know, move that big ship um, quick enough. And that's why, you know, when you say that uh, – the FTU falls within that operational MAGCOM being Air Combat Command for Guardian Angel Attack P. You guys can look at what the, the current environment is and what new TTPs are out there, and you guys can adjust very, very quickly, a lot quicker than uh, ATC can. So Check. just throwing that out there for education purposes. Um, yeah. Like how about Mike, the entire podcast has been like, yes, no, <laughs> true, cool. That's awesome. <laughs> Mike, 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 you just want to go uh, Jackson Steel. Mike, Mike's a big Olympic lifter. I don't know. You were anyway. I don't know if you still are. <laughs> I, I, I am. I got I to gotta back down. I'm getting old, so things start to hurt a little bit now. But, uh, yeah, still getting after it. <laughs> Good. Nice. Well, hey, man, we're going we're gonna to wrap this up. Before we do, we, we like to ask people's advice, um, you know, what they would give advice for the demographic 
usually 15 to 35 year olds um, that some have no um, Air Force experience or anything like that. So like what advice would you give to those that are wanting to come in to be tech being? The advice that I would give to someone wanting to come in to be a tech P would be to know yourself, know your limitations, and know your strengths. So that when you come into the team environment uh, and teamwork is key, you must be a team player, you can articulate to your team what you're good at and what, most importantly, what you're not so good at. Uh, we don't expect you to be perfect. Uh, we don't expect you to be Universal Soldier Dolph Lundgren, but we do expect. Yes, we do. I mean, that would be pretty cool, though. Like you have a lot. That's Dolph Lundgren was the multi-capable airman. He could do it all. It's basically I got a poster of Universal Soldier in my office. That's that's what success looks like. But I digress. Uh, uh, yes, you need to be able to work with the team, and you need to be able to let the team teach you. You need to be coachable. You need to be moldable. So know your strengths, know your weaknesses, be a team player, and be coachable and moldable. If you can do those things, um, the things that you aren't so good at, your team will help you be good at, and vice versa. The things you are good at, you will help your team be good at. And uh, I think that would be my advice. I'll take it. Well, nice. Appreciate you joining us. Uh, for everybody out there, don't forget to check out uh, everything that we're done. But I like we have gone very tech. Just Mike, I know you're not really on social media, but we have gone very tacky heavy um, in the last week or so because we had Tommy Case on, just dumping info out there. Had Nasty on a couple weeks ago. Got you on. So um, we're really making a, a, a big tech push right now because we kind of uh, neglected you guys for a little bit. Not not out of purpose. Just and it's crazy, but yeah, still love um, yeah <laughs> awesome. that's all right. Still love you too. Don't worry. I got a whole bunch of tag teams on the text chain, which you know, Mike, that ripped me apart. It's all good. I'll take it. But uh, again, thanks for tuning in. I appreciate it. Don't forget to leave us a review, uh, like, subscribe, the whole deal. Check out the store if you guys want. We got some new merch up there. And uh, we're out here. Light up. Thanks for coming on, Chief. Later. Train hard. Yeah.